highest of heights to the depths of the sea. Uh, the son of Jehoiahaz became king over Israel in Samaria, and he reigned in, uh, for 16 years. And so, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Notice again in verse 11, he did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam. Man, how often are we going to hear this? Just over and over again, this king, he, he did evil in the sight of the Lord, didn't depart from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin, but walked in them. All exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable, you place the Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Jehoash, the son of Jehoahaz, became king over Israel in Samaria, and he was the grandson of King Yehu, founder of this dynasty. So as his predecessors, he continued in the same sins as his father and grandfather. The reign of Jehoash saw a civil war among the people of God with the southern kingdom of Judah and the northern kingdom of Israel at war. So again we learn of another ungodly king that ruled over the northern ten tribes. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he continues in chapter 13 in the book of 2 Kings. Is sewer, and it basically means to turn away. Well, what is he really saying here? This is what repentance is. Right? Repentance is turning away from sin, but notice Jehoiahaz did not repent. He did not depart from them. And then the anger, verse 3, the Lord was aroused against uh, Israel, and he delivered them into the hand of Hazael, uh, king of Syria, and into the hand of Ben-Hadad, who was his son after he had passed from the scene, all their days. So Hazael was a king of Syria. He reigned from 843, for those of you who, are, who like these kind of things, and I'm a nerd, so I do. He reigned from 843 to 796 BC, and then when he passed from the scene, his son, Ben-Hadad, uh, probably three, the third, because I believe there was a second before this, his son reigned from 796 to 770 BC, but notice the result of not repenting. Notice the result of the fruit of rebellion. God delivered them over to this pagan idolatrous king, and then finally, when he passes from the scene, Ben-Hadad takes over and is continually in their face and, 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 and a thorn in their, in their shoe, in a sense. And, and this is a good proof text for Romans 6.23. You remember Romans 6.23? For the wages of sin is what? It's death. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. The fruit of rebellion is death. That's what we get when we sin. It's, it's something that we receive. We receive a wage for sin. And it's never good. We can never pay the bill. But notice, the gift of God. Now wait, a gift is something is given. 
And we're given something really wonderful. Yes, we're giving, we're being given eternal life in Jesus Christ. What would you rather have? The wages of sin that leads to death or the gift of God that leads to eternal bliss with Christ? I think I'm going to choose the second. (laughs) Wouldn't you? Haven't we? I don't know, have we? Everybody awake? Yeah? Yeah? Okay. The wages of sin is death, whether it's sudden or whether it takes time. Do you notice that? In Genesis, remember, the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Literally, this means in dying you shall die. Had Adam and Eve never sinned, they would have lived forever. Do you understand? But because they sinned, God says, the rebellion, there's a wage for that. You're going to receive something for that rebellion, for that sin that you accomplish. You're going to receive something. In dying, you will ultimately die. So you will die little by little. And every choice you make that's away from you, you're just going to die a little bit more. And, And aren't we seeing the result of it today? When we're born... As soon as we're born, we begin to die. Yes, we may grow, but eventually we, we get older and then we find a spot. And then they take the spot out. And then we go through chemo radiation. And then, they, and then we're finally, next thing you know, we're in hospice and we're having morphine, a morphine drip attached to us. And then we die. And then where do we go? Do we go to heaven? Notice he says, in dying, you shall die. Yes, in dying, you slowly die. And then when you finally physically die, then there's a judgment. And then you will be resurrected to either the resurrection of condemnation or the resurrection of, of the resurrection. The resurrection of, uh, of uh, I forget what it is. Uh, it's a good thing. I forget the name of it. I'm stumbling on the name. But it's in, it's in John chapter 5. But that's literally what it means. And he would not repent. He just continued in his dying, continued. And so Jehoiahaz, verse 4, pleaded with the Lord. Notice, this pagan king, and, and you know, if I were God and I knew the history and I knew where the history was going, I would have said to Jehoiahaz, you know what, I'm done with you guys. I know exactly who you are. I know the games you're playing. And I know who your ancestors, I know exactly what they're going to do before they even done it. And I'm just going to put an end to this right now. <laughs> See, that would be me. So I'm glad that I'm not God because uh, everybody would be dead and I'd be the only one alive. And then I'd you know, probably jump off a cliff too. So, um, But notice, Jehoiahaz, this idolater, he pleads to God. He finally gets to the end of himself and he's like, oh man, what a mess. And he pleads to God. That word pleaded literally means with tears. There was an agony in this. And he was pleading to God. And notice, the Lord listened To him, what mercy and grace. God was faithful to his covenant that he made to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. Remember the Abrahamic covenant back in Genesis 15 where God says that through your seed, Abraham, I'll bless all the the nations of the earth and your seed will inherit all of this land. And he defines that land, the parameters. And then he says, as the sand of the sea is, as the stars are in the heavens, so in the multitude of your seed it will be. And that was God's promise to them. Even the ten tribes 
up north in Israel. Even them, God would not rescind that promise to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and to the 12 tribes of Israel. And 10 of them are up north and they're not doing so good. God would not rescind that promise. We would expect him to hold it for Judah because God made to David. Remember, we looked at that, the Davidic covenant in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12 through 16. He made him that promise that David, out of your seed, there'd be one who would reign forever. It'd be an everlasting kingdom through the line of Judah. There would always be somebody and it will be an everlasting kingdom leading all the way to Christ, of course. And his kingdom will never end. But he said that to Abraham. And God was not going to renege on his promise to even this idolatrous ten tribes. Do you see the grace of God in the Old Testament? A lot of people think the God of the Old Testament is just this angry man with a gavel who's just old and wrinkling, just, oh, I just want to... You know, he just wants to smash people. He's like, you know, he's like the Smash Brothers. You know, my daughter plays this video game. You know, just walking around smashing people, whack-a-mole. And God is not like that. So far from the truth is that. Anybody who has that view of God that he's just angry and just wants to punish and kill people has totally missed who God is. They haven't read the Bible. They don't know the character of God. So important for us to know the character of God. But Jehoiah has pleaded with the Lord. The Lord listened to him. And for he saw the oppression of Israel because the king of Assyria oppressed them. And I love what Psalm 103 says. It says, as a father pities his children, so the Lord, Jehovah, he pities those who fear him. And here is this man who's an idolater. And he's coming to the Lord. And the Lord's taking him. He's like, Jehoiah, what is it? What's on your heart? See, I would have been so different. I would have said, man, you've, you've, you've never ceased to blow it. So go to your gods. There were times when God would say, go to your gods and, and plead to them. But here, even here in the beginning, God is like, I want to hear what you have to say. I want to stir this faith of yours. Whatever is there, that uh, a bruised reed he will not break and a smoking flax he won't put out. He won't quench it. He sees this little bit of something and God's working with it. And see, that's the way God works. He, even if we're not a man or a woman of great faith, he takes whatever we have and he, he fans it. He, he, he puts more wood on the fire. He wants to see it glow and to be a beautiful, beautiful thing in our lives. And that's just the nature of God. It's so different from what we experience in the world, even from family members. God's love is amazing. (laughs) It's amazing. And the Lord swoops in. God responds to those baby steps, even though our hearts can be far from him. It's never too late to turn, as long as you have breath in your lungs. Turn to God. Turn to God, whatever it is that you're involved in that you know is wrong, that you've been dabbling with, turn from it today and follow and repent of that sin and turn to Christ and it'll be the best thing that ever happened to you. When you're finally set free, and listen, when you fall, when you fall, not if, but when you fall, you get back up again, you confess it and you keep going. A righteous man falls seven times, but what does he do? He lays there and wallows and waits for somebody. No, he gets back up again. He confesses it, he gets back up, and God says, okay, now confess it, and let's get moving. Oh, I can't, Lord. I've done this thing so many times, and I just feel so horrible. Well, yeah, you do, because you deserve it. 
<laughs> what am I going to do? Just conf- Have you confessed? Yeah. Well, what are you whining about? Get, wipe the snot off your nose and get moving. Let's go. How'd you like that? It's a nice thing in Rochester. Wipe the snot off your nose. You know, it's like that little kid who's five years old and he's got a cold and his, you know, you walk into the thing and his whole, all his nostrils are just green and you're like, you almost want to go over there with a Kleenex and do this thing, but his mother's there and she's looking at you. You know, but God says, clean it up and let's get going. Let's get going. <laughs> that was free, by the way. I'm, I know you're very excited about that. I can tell by your excitement. But no. But that's what grace is. That's what mercy is. Grace is God giving to us what we could never deserve. And his mercy, God withholding from us the wrath or consequences that I do deserve. And so when this king now is pleading to God, God is listening. He's got his ear. And so then, verse 5, the Lord gave Israel a deliverer so that they escaped from under the hand of the Syrians. Do you see the pattern here? I, I get in a mess. I cry out to God. God raises up a deliverer. Sounds just like the book of Judges. Very similar. And they escaped from under the hand of the Syrians, and the children of Israel dwelt in their tents as before. I believe that the deliverer mentioned here may be Jehoash, or sometimes he's called Joash. You just got to read it in context, the king of Israel. Or it could have been Jeroboam too. Some scholars believe that it's also King Adad-Nirari III of Assyria who reigned from 811 to 783. But I will say this, right here in our chapter in verse 25, Joash of Israel is mentioned in verse 25 as possibly being that deliverer. I think it's probably him. And we're going to see that very clearly as we go on. So verse 6, Nevertheless, they did not depart from the sins of the house of Jeroboam who had made Israel sin, but walked in them. And the wooden image also remained in Samaria. So in the capital city of the northern ten tribes in Samaria was this wooden image, and it was an image, probably a phallic symbol of some kind. Some believe that that may be what it looked like. But it was an image of wood, and it was made to Asherah. She was the consort of Baal. And it was a female deity of fertility that the Canaanites worshipped. But yet it was still there. So, verse 7, For he left, uh, he left of the army of Jehoiahaz only 50 horsemen. So God, using uh, Syria, totally wiped out most of Jehoiahaz's army that used to be so big. But now there's only 50 horsemen, 10 chariots, 10,000 foot soldiers. For the king of Syria had destroyed them and made them like the dust at the threshing floor. And, and that's exactly what sin does, doesn't it? It always diminishes. It always takes away. And I've learned this in my life. And I am so fed up with the, with the, uh, the circumstances of sin, of my own sin. I'm fed up with the consequences of the stupid things that I can uh, put my hand to or whatever. And I'm tired. You know, do, do you ever get that point where you're just like, I, I really, I hate sin. See, that's where God wants us to get. Even the things that are pleasurable for a season, those are the things that get us. But even after that, there's bitterness, there's heartache. It's like, you want to continue living that way? I don't. <laughs> I don't want to live that way. I like to lay my head on my pillow at night knowing that the record is straight with God and sleep like a baby. I don't need to take Ambien. I don't need to take Jack Daniels with Ambien to make me go to sleep. I can go right to sleep like a baby with no chemicals in my, my system. Hallelujah. Verse 8, now the rest of the acts of Jehoiahaz and all that he did and his might 
Are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel? Is the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel, is that something we have in our Bible today? Say no. It's not. We don't have it. We don't know where it is. We have the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah. First and Second Chronicles, that's what it's speaking of, the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah. But we do not have the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel. As you look at Chronicles, you'll see that it's all about the Judean kings, especially after the first 11 chapters. Everything else is about Judah. A priest, a, a Jewish priest, you know, understanding of the things that we have read in First and Second Kings with a little more information. But it's always about the kings of Judah, not, nothing about the kings of Israel. We don't have that in our Bibles. It's, it's missing somewhere. But guess what? God's, you think he's more interested in Israel or Judah? Yeah. Otherwise, this book would be even thicker. He didn't think it was a big deal for it to be included. But Judah, yes. And so we have it right here. We're reading it, right? And we will read it. So notice, so Jehoiahaz rested with his fathers. They buried him in Samaria. And then Joash, his son, reigned in his place. In the 37th year of Joash, king of Judah, Jehoash, and boy, these names can get really tricky, uh, the son of Jehoiahaz became king over Israel in Samaria, and he reigned in, uh, for 16 years. And so, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Notice again in verse 11, he did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam. Man, how often are we going to hear this? Just over and over again, this king, he, he did evil in the sight of the Lord, didn't depart from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin, but walked in them. Now the rest of the acts of Joash, are the, and all that he did, are they not in his might, with which he fought against Amaziah, King of Judah, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? Yes, they are. We just don't know where they're at. So Joash, verse 13, rested with his fathers, and then Jeroboam sat on his throne. Wait a minute, Jeroboam? I thought he was the guy who started all this way back when. Yes, a long time ago prior, the guy who the first king in the, in the divided kingdom was Jeroboam over Israel. And now Jehoiahaz... Or I'm sorry, uh, and now his son, right? Now his son, what does he name him? Jeroboam. Why not name him something better? Well, because birds of a feather flock together. He names him Jeroboam. Well, why not a good name? Why not Daniel? Why not David? No, Jeroboam, because we're going right back to the right back to the vomit again, boys. We're gonna like it. That's where we're going. We're going back to the vomit. We're gonna go back to the pigs. He takes them right back there. So Jeroboam here is called Jeroboam too, in case you ever wonder. That's how they delineate the two of them. The first one was in the very beginning when the kingdom divided, but now they're well into it now. Into the, into the history of Israel, but now his name is Jeroboam II, and he reigned from 782 to 753, a total of 50 years. If you don't count his... Um, uh, he reigned from 782 to 753, and he was co-regent with his father, Joash, and if you add up all of those co-regent years and then the years after his dad died, it was about 40 years. And so notice verse 14 now in our text says, Elisha had become sick, and now Elisha comes back into the picture. He's been kind of, uh, uh, you know, the Lord has been introducing other things. And now we come back to now Elisha, who is at the end of his life. He became sick with the illness that, from which he would die. Uh, 
And Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face. Isn't that interesting? This holy man of God. And now you've got this Joash, king of Israel, evil king. There was something in him that knew that there was something about this holy man of God. Something about him. And so he goes and he weeps over him. And he said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. And that phrase ought to remind you of the very same thing that Elisha said to Elijah as Elijah was being taken into heaven. Isn't that the very same thing? And basically what he was saying here, this Joash king, he's basically saying, you are more important than all of Israel's armament, their army. You're more important than all of it, and I know it. But the unfortunate thing is, it really didn't produce, because Joash's faith was so shallow and so small, he had this momentary, momentary feeling for Elisha, but it quickly evaporated because we know that after this, he just went back to his old ways again. So it really didn't appropriate anything good in his life. There was no faith that was being demonstrated. And Elisha, you know, um, here, he, he doesn't wash his hands of this king coming to him. He, you know, as Elisha, this godly man is there, and he sees Joash coming in the door, he didn't say, hit the road, Jack. Don't want to have anything to do with you. No, but a real godly man like him is going, you know, Lord, maybe there's a a few things I can share. Maybe this last moment I have, maybe there's something. And that is God's heart too. Right to the very end. Wasn't Jesus like that on the cross? When he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Could he have come off that cross and decimated everybody? You better believe it. He could have just spoke a word and they would have evaporated if he so chose, but this is why he came into the world. Right to the very end, God is always gracious. You'll see that in people's lives. Horrible people living like hell all of their life. They get on their deathbed. They're hooked up to oxygen. They're about ready to die just hours from now. And then all of a sudden, somebody comes in. You know, this guy's a serial killer. He's an extortioner. He's, he's, he's done all these horrible things. And then someone comes in, a nurse comes in and says, can I pray for you to receive Christ? And he looks up and, you know, two blinks for yes, you know. And then he blinks twice and he receives Christ. And all of his sins are forgiven. And he goes to heaven. And the world is outraged. He should have went to hell. Aren't you glad God's that gracious? Aren't you glad that Elisha was that gracious? To Jehoiah, Jehoi, uh, um, to this king. Yeah, it gets it gets a little confusing after a while. You start saying Jeho- Joash, Jehoiaz, Jehoiaz. It gets a little crazy. But I love the grace of God in this. So finally, uh, and then um, let's see. And Elisha said to him, "Take a bow." And some arrows. And so he took himself a bow and some arrows. And then he said to the king of Israel, "Now put your hand on the bow." So he literally has a bow and arrow. And this is the last thing that Elijah is going to do. He's going to see this king coming in, Joash, and he's going to say, pick up the bow. He picks up the bow, and then Elisha puts his hand on the king's hand, and he says, now take those arrows, 
Put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it. And Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. And you can see this. It's really a touching picture if you really think of it. You can picture it in your head. And he said, open the east window. And he opened it. So they're probably in Samaria somewhere, which is on the eastern, or the western side of the, of the Jordan River. So they're looking east now. And the Jordan River is somewhere out over there. And then over there is this town called Aphek. That's the end of our lesson for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Kings. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.